Hello, listeners. Eric here. Jumping in before the intro, there's just over uh, one month before the election, which means my schedule is getting busier and busier, as you can imagine. In light of that, uh, we're going to spend the next number of weeks to rebroadcast a series Scott and I think is the most important we have done. We talked through the book by David Coises, Political Visions and Illusions, and we actually end with an interview with Dr. Coises. I hope you find it helpful. I know I did. So here it is. Thanks. Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, my name is Eric Estep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Last week, we talked about ideologies. And as promised, we are going to jump into one of the ideologies today and start discussing, um, we're going to start discussing liberalism. Well, can I just wave the white flag at the beginning? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had talked to Eric, say, oh, we ought to do all these ideologies in one fell blow. And so I'm waving the white flag saying, you know, we're going to separate them, I think, into each into their own episodes because there's a lot here and it's uh, and it's pretty important. So mm-hmm. we, they're, they're worth uh, slowing down on and talking about. So anyway, there's my white flag. I'm I'm out. Nice. <laughs> there's a lot here and frankly, more than we can do in a podcast, probably, uh-huh. or at least a short podcast. So we're going to try to condense this as much as we can to help all of you listeners. Uh, but just a reminder... We got a lot of this from the Coises book uh, that we highly recommend, Political Visions and Illusions. Last week, we talked about the ideology, what, it, what is an ideology, um, predominantly a, a, sim- a simple way of looking at life and taking a good portion of God's creation, but elevating it to a god size portion. Um, so that's when so- a framework becomes more than a framework, it becomes an ideology. So... We're going to continue through and talk about five different ideologies. Today, we're going to talk about liberalism. But before we do that, I want to talk about left and right. Well, I think, I think that's probably a good idea because uh, when you think of ideologies or you look at your news for, man, what, what is an ideology and where does that fit into the political spectrum, you're going to end up with left or right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to end up with what has been considered liberal or conservative, left or right. Mm-hmm. And where uh, <laughs> where did left and right come from? This is great. Uh, so during the French Revolution, back in the 1700s, the French parliamentary system, uh, the actual building, those who supported the king during that revolution tended to sit to the right of the speaker just to avoid... <laughs> they, they just grouped over there, and we're, we're going to sit to the right, and the others... Uh, that weren't for the king tended to sit to the left and they they kind of self-sorted and there were different political motivations um, in those groups but not necessarily in the direction it's just i'm going to sit to the right of the speaker because that's where my buddies are and now because of that uh, directional definition we have those as labels for what we think are the ideologies in our own framework and we say, we'll, we'll decry the left or we'll decry the right, depending on where you think you stand in the spectrum. And uh, the us versus them is typically the opposite 
hand, whatever whatever hand you happen to be uh, relating to. And I think it's important to recognize that they they didn't even come from around here. Yeah, France. They came from <laughs> France, and they came from uh, the time of the French Revolution, which is uh, considerably different than uh, a context that we have dealt with. And the reality is that uh, the left and right, and, and really a lot of these things, they move over time. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that uh, he suggests in the book is that the left of 1970 is not the left of 2021. And the right of 1930 may be more like the center left of 2020. That was Eric. You came up with that on your own? Wow! <laughs> yeah. No, that's... The, the reality is, though, that these things move. And so you're going to pin a you know, what you might call a liberal or a left-leaning idea. And over time, that's going to move around. And you see that in just the, the kinds of political mm-hmm. parties we've had throughout American mm-hmm. history and things as well. Well, and it gets, these aren't helpful handholds. So left or right, if you're reading history, which I've, I've done a fair amount of reading American history, and once you get into that, you realize, okay, wait, who's on the left? Who's on the right? Because that's the only framework we have in modern politics. We talk about left and right. But if I'm reading, uh, I, I did a presidential biography read through. And every time I had to like reorient, okay, who, what, what are the issues and what side are people on on these issues? And it wasn't necessarily a left-right spectrum. It could have been a completely different framework. But we so, talk, we so often talk about left or right that that's the only frameworks we have. Right, and Which, so this book gives us new ones. Right, and that's Definitely. what that's why we think it's worth talking about, because these have you know it's it'd be like you only have one you know handle on a suitcase and you carry it with your left hand all mm-hmm. the way through the airport, it gets tired. Mm-hmm. But if you were to be able to use both hands with it or have wheels or something, you'd be you'd have more flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think you have more flexibility in thinking about. Uh, political uh, things, and uh, if you have more tools in your tool belt. And in some respect, these uh, ideologies uh, give more tools in the tool belt. Right. And Coises does talk about the the deficiency of the left-right spectrum. It's only one-dimensional. In the book, he, he put together kind of an XY axis with one axis being equality and inequality, and then the other axis being freedom and authority. And then you have you have a two-dimensional framework where you can place different ideologies. We're not going to go on that too much, but just to point out how unhelpful left and right is. So let's let's jump into liberalism. Can I make a, a, a staggering statement to start out? Go for it. <laughs> go for it. So almost regardless of where you sit on that left or right spectrum, if you're sitting in American politics, your predominant ideology is liberalism. Oh, that's not staggering. This is staggering. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a liberal. You're a liberal. <laughs> it's really that simple. Nice. I, I caveat too much, apparently. <laughs> Let's just get right to it. Nice. That's good. For the most part, I do think that's true. Yeah. I mean, there there may be some people with some shades of uh, something else that we'll talk about in future weeks, but mm-hmm. uh, much to your surprise, many of you, I'm sure, Mm-hmm. Uh, you're liberal. We have people spitting out their coffee right now. They're angry. <laughs> we're, we're now going to get emails. It's, we're finally going to get Good. emails. <laughs> okay. We've been trying to get people to write. Um, so why would we 
say something like that. That the conservative people we know mm. are even they are liberal. Why, mm. what, how would that even work? So liberalism comes out of the Enlightenment um, and is predominantly focused with the rights of individuals. That is its primary uh, emphasis. You and, might you might even be able to think of it, you know, liberalism as you know personal liberty. Mm-hmm. If you I mean you you could connect the liberalism with personal liberty, mm-hmm. and even the those words would help you keep those together. Right. Which, if as soon as we say personal liberty, the most conservative people we know mm-hmm. say, "Oh, if that's what it means to be liberal, mm-hmm. I'm I am into personal liberty." Mm-hmm. And if you are, you're liberal by definition. Right. Continue. Right. Sorry. So out of the Enlightenment, we. Uh, the West, I suppose, started thinking and, and predominantly focusing on the individual, uh, the person, and making sure that they have autonomy, that they have the ability to make choices. That's why we talk about freedom. And that is new on the scene, really, uh, since about the Enlightenment. You you wouldn't go back and ever talk about, oh, I, I belong to... Um, this nation state and and I have a right to practice whatever religion I want to practice. No, that 500 years ago, that's not the case. That's that's why after the Reformation, it was such a big deal. There were religious wars one after the other because that's not how the world was set up. That wasn't an assumption that I can make whatever decision I want to make because I'm an individual. I have value and dignity and and worth and respect. Um, that that's a new idea as far as setting up. A framework that assumes individual liberty at the beginning. I think even you know, think we just can't think in other terms, right? You know, you think of uh, what does it mean? So you went back to the Reformation. What does it mean to be justified by faith? It means I, as an individual, personal salvation, have personal faith (laughs) in Christ and receive personal salvation in return, and it's super individualistic and. Christians have a really hard time thinking uh, other ways, as as do children of the Enlightenment. I, I would say Christians in liberal contexts. Excuse me. Have yes, I, I was difficulty. Yes, yes. The liberals that are listening. The liberals. To us. Yes. <laughs> um, We're gonna have too much fun with that. I just have to. There, there is a there is a little town called Liberal Oregon, right? It's not far from here. That's true. And so, you know, pretty much it's going to influx of people here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing that comes out of the Enlightenment, uh, if you've read or heard of Locke or Rousseau or Adam Smith or Kant, uh, those are all thinkers, uh, liberal thinkers, uh, putting forward forward ideas about liberalism, and frankly, our country is is founded on these ideas that we have a bill of rights because of liberalism. Um, we're going to protect the individual autonomy of someone's ability to practice religion or, or say speech, um, certain inalienable rights. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's all, that's all liberal, liberal thinking. That's the way to say that. Um, and it's, the the narrative is is of constant desire for more emancipation, more aut- autonomy, more ability for individuals to make free choices, and it's it's striking to me just that um, we're talking about most everyone's liberal. I was sitting on Twitter the other day, mm. and 
watching someone tweet who's who would label themselves a, a staunch um, conservative or they might might say libertarian again there's that liberal word and he responded to some tweet about mandates or lockdowns or something and uh, his response was in all caps individual liberty which again is a liberal claim and would he ever want to be defined as liberal definitely not he'd be mad if I if I said that but uh, he was making a liberal claim. So when we talk about that left to right spectrum, we're really talking about liberal actors on both sides arguing with each other, uh, but all within the framework of liberalism. Right. Another another example of that would be uh, the uh, sanctity of life issues that mm. we have, because there is people can argue that. Uh, in, in you can you can argue it outside of a liberal framework, but mm-hmm. most people don't really get that. What effect abortion might have on a community mm-hmm. is kind of hard to determine and hard for us to get our minds around. But you can uh, argue for the right of an unborn child, or the right of uh, uh, a, a mother uh, mm-hmm. to over her own reproductive rights. And you are arguing both sides of the same issue mm-hmm. from a liberal point of view. And I think that's, that's what's helpful if we can step back. And, and it's almost like we're, we're fish trying to talk to each other about water here. Mm-hmm. Because this is really all, kind of all that we know right. really in the political uh, framework at least is touched by this, if not heavily, heavily influenced by it. Right. And that is a good thing. This, this is the water you all swim in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's frankly, it frankly took me a while of reading and digging in and thinking before I could realize, oh, I'm in water. I'm in liberalism. And once you start doing that, you can, you can realize uh, the assumptions that are made that are just automatic. Even, I like what we were talking about, the personal salvation piece. That is a, though true, that's an emphasis that often gets overemphasized because we sit in liberalism, because we sit in this framework, because most of our world is ideologically bent that direction. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be careful about that because you, you'll jettison community for me, for individual, because what I want. You can have your own individual experience mm-hmm. watching church on TV, mm-hmm. for instance. Right. Yes. That, that is a liberal idea. <laughs> um. So liberalism, another, and this was pointed out in the book, one of the first and most basic principles of liberalism runs as follows. Everyone possesses property in their own person and must therefore be free to govern themselves in accordance with their own choices, provided that these choices do not infringe on the equal rights of others to do the same. And you can almost see the abortion debate happening right there as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But there's property rights that start out, and our government is a liberal government um, with the... I don't know exactly how to... It's almost like this idealized past that we have. We talk about social contract. Mm. We're a bunch of individuals. That's how we ideally started. And in order to create a government, we're all going to agree together. You have to have that consent. You have Mm -hmm. to have that contract language. Um, We're going to do this social contract and we'll create a government by individuals. uh, We the people, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, the framework that you build government on. But it's also not really real. Like <laughs> there was no social contract of 
maybe in, in really small instances, you have uh, maybe a little a little uh, town or a commonwealth or something that decides, hey, for the good of the good of the people in this little place, we need to maybe protect ourselves or be ready to defend ourselves from the other little town or something like that. So let's let's ride on a rock or do something. I don't know, but at the broad level, that idealized view is it's not that perfect. It's not it's not like that in reality. Mm-hmm. But we want to we want to preserve the idea that I have individual choice in government. And you hear all the time um we the people in because we're liberals, we're all liberals folks, just just sit in that, just meditate on that for a second. Um we talk about we the people. I especially hear this in more conservative circles. We can decide not to do what our duly elected government says because the authority rests in the people. That is again an assumption of liberalism that jettisons the framework that liberalism put together. But it's it's all it's all the same. It's all the same soup. It's just the same. You know, just like I said, you could argue, you know, a certain political issue from Mm -hmm. from two different ways, both using liberalism. That's just what you just did. There Mm -hmm. was you're talking about some, uh, you know, liberals saying that you know we've been duly elected and other liberals saying but you can't tell us what to do right and really there is you know you might say both are right both have a, an element of truth as far as li- at least liberal this, at least liberal ideology. truth yeah yep. liberal ideology um supporting their views and you know the so we're we're talking about this in terms of political uh, visions and ideologies here and uh, trying to discuss uh, liberalism with respect to politics. But Eric uh, reminded me before we started of a, uh, a book that I'd read earlier this year uh, about the, the sexual revolution and the, the impact of liberalism on the sexual revolution and on how uh, individuals view their bodies is... So, so we're completely out of politics in some regard, mm. that I create my own reality for um, you know, myself with regard to my uh, sexual identity or my gender or my sexual behavior. And all of that is also liberal in that I need to be free to be myself and have self-expression. And so it's, it's really uh, just a continuation in applied to other areas besides politics, mm. and so I, I just mentioned that because uh, the the rise and triumph of the modern self by Carl Truman is the book that I'm referring to, and mm. it it really shocked me mm. uh, that that it was mostly philosophical, not sexual. The, the rise of the sexual revolution, right. right? And that's and the same names are named. If you're going to talk about what philosophers, well, Rousseau especially, mm-hmm. and uh, others were really influential in uh, that movement. So, and one of the the paramount, yeah, one of the paramount pieces of liberalism is that uh, there's there's free choice for individuals, and you can't value those choices differently because it's an individual's choice. So you can't put values on those things, which is why you get the rise and uh, mm-hmm. the triumph of modern self, because people exercising their autonomy in this this liberal framework 
um, can make whatever choice they want, and you're not allowed you're not allowed to value those things because they're, they're the choice is the valuable piece there, uh, the ability to choose, the ability to have autonomy, not necessarily the thing valued or the thing chosen. It's that there's choice at all. So you're saying that you can't really say right and wrong. It gets there. I don't think it starts there. But I, the ideology fully realized it gets to the point where there's no right and wrong. Right. Because the, it's my the, right and the, it's your wrong and it's thing, your right and my the, wrong. The thing that is right is my freedom. Mm-hmm. See, that's ultimately, that's the full-blown, you might say, expression of liber- liberalism is that what is, what is true and good is my own freedom and autonomy. And that's part of, so we're kind of getting into this redemption narrative mm-hmm. that we talked about last week, that each ideology has a redemptive narrative. And uh, the liberalism redemptive narrative starts in a good place. Well, that's where most do, you know, with creation and the image of God and um, the importance of the individual. I think that's one of the implications of the true gospel mm-hmm. is that individuals are important and that's uh, human life is important and in lots of things. So the, you know, what is this, what is the creation basis of this? I think it's pretty easy to identify uh, what is evil. And this is kind of what we just landed in with, uh, uh, with both feet and now our, our shoes are muddy uh, is that uh, what is good is personal freedom. What is bad or evil is anything that limits uh, autonomy. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, and in, in, in you hear this, you you listen to a political debate. That is that is what both sides are arguing mm-hmm. on the political debate because both sides, as we talk, call them, both left and right, are liberal, and they are arguing from the same basis mm-hmm. for opposite personal freedoms or different personal mm-hmm. freedoms generally. And and no wonder we come away with our <laughs> with our heads just spinning from those kinds of conversations. But uh, you know, it could be as simple uh, evil could be as simple as something that's inconvenient or something that mm. limits my personal freedom because I'm not able to do something. Mm-hmm. It could be as um, you know, perhaps uh, awful as oppression or uh, or even as violent as war mm-hmm. that there's a spectrum of things that stop me from expressing my freedom and those would be things that are um, evil and so that's a that's an interesting see is when you say the ultimate good is personal freedom mm-hmm. and the ultimate bad is anything that gets in the way of that you have a very different basis for the ideas that are important to you right. than you do if you're working off of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important that that we just sit back and think about the, the idea itself of liberalism, not of being liberal or, or left, as some people may say it, but what does it mean that that personal freedom and personal rights mm-hmm. are so important to us. And when they become that important, we get into real trouble. In fact, I mean, I think that's one of the things that you said when a good thing turns into a God thing, right. we end up with, you know, 
you end up with, with idol- idol- idolatry, right? And in liberalism, the idol happens to be us. Oh, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Every Tuesday, yeah. Uh, that which is striking. That's just so striking that the idea ideology we, frankly, listener, you are most comfortable with, is the one that turns you into a god for yourself. Well, that's part of the reason I like it. <laughs> it's a great. I, I, I mean, love I, this ideology. seriously, right? I mean, I mean, seriously, it has. Some really, that sounds pretty cool mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And as long as it stays cool. As long as it stays cool. I'm not a very good God. I'll just say that right I've now. I've had my problems. And the, we talked a little bit about the redemptive story. I just want to remind us what the, the actual redemptive story is. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, there are some similarities with the liberal uh, creational mm-hmm. beginning, uh, with the, the actual creational beginning. But in scripture, creation starts with, um, God created us, male and female, he created us, in the image of God, he created us, and we are in proper relationship with God, and we are in proper relationship with each other. The uh, liberal redemptive story says the ideal state of nature is individuals perfectly free and able to do whatever they want. And when the fall comes in the liberal narrative, it's something that takes away my autonomy. There's not really auto- liberal autonomy in the creation story of Scripture. I have proper relationship with God, and I have proper relationship with people. Mm-hmm. And the the liberal story says I am independent, mm-hmm. and when something jeopardizes my independence, that's when a fall occurs, and now I need to gather with other people in order to create a political framework, a political society, um, aim towards liberation of some sort, Revolution, so maybe. I can regain yeah. freedom. That's That was really helpful to, to distinguish the creation you know, even the starting points mm-hmm. to be in relationship with God and have, you might even say, have God be central mm. instead of human freedom be central. Yes, that definitely. was really helpful, Eric. Thank you. So those are the two. There, we we talked through a couple different redemptive uh, stories. There, there's a couple different ways to describe. It. And if you were to read the book, which again, highly recommend, especially if you're on a, a beach like we talked about last week, um, he's got a couple different redemptive narratives because the primary story of liberalism has changed throughout mm. the centuries. Um, the, the, the story would be a little bit more simple, uh, say, in the 1700s or the 1800s. The goal is a political society to protect um, some rights. And as we've progressed in our liberalism, now we are at the point where it is more about the rise of the modern self. It is more about liberating from any encumbrance, um, whether it be framework or any other uh, inter- intermediary institution, whether it's uh, family, whether it's community, whether it's uh, it, any pick a pick a hundred different institutions. If any of those things are taking my autonomy away from me, that's something I need to be liberated from, and that's that's becoming more and more the story of liberalism mm-hmm. late later in history. And again, this is why liberals argue with one another mm-hmm. because you've got some defending you know a minimalistic you might say mm. even government that's good yep where the minimalistic government needs to simply only protect my property or my my freedom mm-hmm. whereas uh, others are arguing for a more expansive government that will uh you might even say impose or uh create you know, be responsible for freedom. And and they're all trying to get the same thing, basically, liberal 
personal liberty, mm-hmm. but approaching it governmentally differently. And so they argue mm-hmm. uh, because, again, these ideas have changed over time and you're still in the liberal camp right? on both sides there. Right. And I'll, I'll add, and we'll, we'll talk about conservative next time, conservatism next time, but I will add in America, American conservatism, uh, even mo- like since the 1950s, um, if you're getting really wonky and nerdy with someone, a a conservative conservative in America would describe themselves as a classical liberal, that because they're trying to preserve that minimalism minimalist version of liberalism, um, because they're saying, hey, there's a good over there. Let's let's try to conserve that thing, but they they understand where they sit in the framework, and they're saying, hey, I'm a classical liberal. I, I mm-hmm. remember how to do liberalism. Um, but even yeah, even the conservatives, and we'll we'll talk more about conservatism later. But just wanna wanna point that out. We're all liberals. One other, um, and this is helpful for me thinking about policies enacted um, in a liberal framework. The desire is for more choice, is is for more um, expansion of benefits, expansion, enhancement of things that I receive as an individual. And I hear a lot, uh, a lot of the time that people will decry socialistic policies or things coming that are, that are more like socialism. And in a liberal framework, you could have um, similar practical ends, po- policy ends. Say we're going to, we're going to give this thing out as a policy um, child tax credit or uh, Medicare or Medicaid or, or these things that frankly, you probably depend on. And um, when you hear people decrying them, they'll, they'll point to uh, socialism, uh, which is a different ideology, which we'll talk about another time. Um, and they'll point to those practical ends. But in a liberal context, you could come out with the same ends for liberal reasons or for social, socialistic reasons. And those are different reasons. Those are different ideologies. The liberal uh, would see those things as a good because an individual gets more choices. An individual gets more things, whatever those well, things are. Yeah, even if it's a tax credit, say, mm-hmm. they have more resources with which to make more choices. Mm-hmm. Therefore, as a good liberal, I would say that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody who's a socialist, perhaps, would say this class of people mm-hmm. needs to be lifted up. Therefore, we will give them this tax break and... Uh, and you're both arguing for the same thing right. from different ideologies, and um, and one of the re- that's one of the reasons we talk past each other. So one of the reasons we can't understand other people is we we're just all liberals. <laughs> right. <And> we, <laughs> it's hard, still hard for me to say, but but we can't look, you know, we can't look at it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I'm glad you pointed that out. That's helpful. And, and I point that out as a caution because it's so easy to deride someone. Yes. And oh, that's a that's a socialist uh, that's a socialist policy. Well, let's let's you can disagree or agree on the practical uh, policy, but you probably don't know the motives of the person. And if they are a liberal, a fellow liberal like you, they may have liberal reasons for their desire to support that thing, not necessarily socialistic reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Because that's a different ideology. So just just be aware um, of the framework you sit in. So should we talk about some of the uh, the implications or or 
point out those good things that become God things. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that the implications are sort of surf- bubbling to the surface as mm-hmm. we talk about this. But yeah, why don't you make some of those uh, explicit here? So we've talked about it a lot, the, in, the individual. And I, I went back to the creation story. I think one of the good things, the wonderful things that liberalism points out is that the individual has value. The individual has value and dignity. And I'm, I'm going to use theological language here, but value and dignity. Um, an individual bears the image of God regardless of that individual's ability, regardless of um, their, uh, their merit or how, how good they are or uh, what they can accomplish. There is value there. There is, uh, like I said, image of God. There's reflection of God there. And that's a, that's a beautiful ad from liberalism. The, the problem with liberalism that makes it an ideology is that we take the value and the dignity and the worth of that individual, we take that good thing, and we say this is the ultimate thing. The individual is the ultimate thing. We've already said mm-hmm. you are your own idol in liberalism. But that, that's when we took a good thing and we elevate it beyond God, and we say this is the paramount thing. I am the paramount thing. That's, that's the problem in liberalism. Well, let's just take some practical you know, things we struggle with right now and look at them and see mm. if we can see if this is, uh, you know, a good thing or a God thing. And I'm, I think about, say, uh, masks. Okay. We're all still, at least here in Oregon. You're just springing this on. Me. I'm just it's hey, not even in the notes. I'm just <laughs> making this up now uh, because I'm a liberal. That's why. Uh, but I, I hear a lot of people oppose the tyrants hmm. who are who are telling Oregonians anyway to wear masks in public places. Okay, that feels tyrannical. So I want to oppose that because I'm a good liberal, and I think I believe in individual freedom. And and to to be they want to guard their rights. They want to make sure we don't lose these things that are enumerated to us. Right. And so it's, the, the irony is, as a good liberal who wants to protect my own rights, I'm accusing the government of being liberal, <laughs> liberal tyrants, making me wear a mask, which mm-hmm. is a little bit funny as, I, as you think about that. But I brought that up because I want us to think about uh, this, this ultimate good of personal freedom. And I think one of the things that's happened uh, throughout the history of our country is we we have tried also to attach Christianity to liberalism in a way that makes uh, the ultimate good a Christian, the ultimate good of personal freedom, a Christian thing. Mm. And that is not the Christian gospel. Mm-hmm. That is a false gospel. And I, I, I say that because what I hear are religious reasons for opposing tyrants, say, mm. or not wearing masks, or whatever I want, making it somehow uh, religious or Christian when it is liberal, mm-hmm. uh, it is philosophical, mm-hmm. uh, and that is baked into our um, to our political heritage, our philosophical heritage, and we just think that somehow that's Christian. And I, I guess I just want to make that as explicit as I can because yeah. the, the, the Christian way 
is often surrendering my rights mm. for the sake of someone else. Mm-hmm. The the humility even that Jesus had as we as we get ready to celebrate Christmas is that he set aside the rights that were his. Right. And if anybody had rights, oh my goodness, it was him. He had all the rights. And he set it aside for our good. And I think that that's just something that gets the a Christian virtue, you might say, or a Christian character that gets lost as we think about philosophically what liberalism really mm-hmm. is. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, and, and additionally, God saves a people. He doesn't save a bunch of individuals. He's making a people for himself. A nation. A, pre, a nation, priest to our God, priesthood, all, yeah. those, all those things. It's not a bunch of individuals. And when we think that way, again, that's your liberalism speaking, uh, but that we've referenced several things where it's, I can do this on my own. I can do church on my own. I can do all these things on my own. Um, that, that breaks, that breaks the gospel. It hurts that, that uh, tarnishes the gospel in the way that looks because God's doing something bigger than just, um, me and Jesus, mm-hmm. which there, is it me and Jesus? Definitely. I am mm-hmm. a co-heir with Christ, but is it so much more than that? Yes. Let's get that whole piece. Well, in, in tarn- you know, tarnishes it, you know, sin tarnishes it. But some of it is just incomplete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. There's just pieces missing that mm-hmm. you can't make up if your chief value is your own autonomy. Mm-hmm. I think another good that liberalism um, defends is is for choice and freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, that is definitely a good. The weakness of that of the way it is displayed in liberalism is is that it's not ordered under an understanding of God's design and a wise way of living. So if the ultimate good is choice, then I can do whatever I want. You can't tell me what I should or shouldn't do. Um, the, the freedom and the choice is the key thing. Now I can go do in any number of foolish things that I want to do. And because I've idolized, frankly, choice and freedom, I live incorrectly in this world to my, to my detriment, to my community's detriment. Um, and this is where the sexual revolution comes in and mm-hmm. the implications beyond politics come in because this personal choice and freedom not only is the ultimate good, but also must be affirmed by other people. Mm-hmm. And so there is, uh, it becomes a, a, a God thing instead of simply a good thing. And I throw off God's design, I throw off his intention of living a good and holy and righteous life because I have freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in, in some ways you'll hear this mitigated. You'll hear about ordered liberty. That's probably an appeal back to a, a more minimalism, ver- mm-hmm. minimalism, different-ism, folks. We're not going to talk about that ideology. Um but a ordered liber- liberty would likely be someone appealing to a minimalist version of, of liberal and saying these freedoms, these choice needs to be mitigated or, or they need to have normative limits mm-hmm. um, based on morality or based on uh, often religion of some sort um, because there's, there's an understanding that human choice, human freedom unchecked leads to disaster, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is why. The beginning of the liberal order in America has a bunch of checks and a bunch of balances. The the governmental system informed by the ideology of liberalism is going to um, put all these checks in place so that we just don't let it go unmitigated. 
I, I think that's a good ad because, you know, we sound like we're, you know, really down on liberalism. <laughs> you know, I want you to see it for what it is. But the fact is that that the liberals who founded the country did actually believe that there needed to be checks mm-hmm. on choice and freedom at some level mm-hmm. and built that in. And so, yes, that's uh, that's also there and needs to be acknowledged and appreciated and you know, we thank the Lord for that grace for sure. And I would also just appeal um, to you, listener. You you live in this world. You are constantly desiring to implement your own choices, your own freedoms, uh, preserve your own autonomy. And if you can just sit for a moment and ponder, how often have my choices led to my my good? Um, I'm thinking about the 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 Christian redemptive story, the biblical redemption story, there's God with people in a garden. And when they make a choice, then it all breaks. And that's, that's a little trite, but if I'm honest with myself, the times when I have most exerted my choice, my freedom, my autonomy, I start breaking things. And I don't say that to deride liberalism as an ideology. I, it's not going to be helpful for us. I know that, but more appealing to you, you live in this soup. You know this soup. This is this is you. You are steeped in this. And uh, just beware that the things that you are going to default uh, toward may not be for your good and may be um, specifically for your ill. And it's not going to be obvious that you, you should push against them because everything about the place you live is going to say, your choice is good, your freedom is good, your autonomy is good. And Jesus came to save you from yourself. Um, that's the gospel. Mm. That's a portion of the gospel. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up here, it's just hard, I know, for some of us to be called liberal. And so uh, I, I just want to remind you that we're talking about liberalism as an ideology that expresses the value the the extremely high value of personal liberty and before you dismiss it as you know scott and eric are off on you know dumb ideas and weird (laughs) things and why are you talking about this we're talking about it because it's helpful handholds for the way i look at the world and i want to encourage you to just just you know relax for a minute and say in what way do I believe and act and vote and do all the other things in my life with the assumptions of personal liberty? Some of those assumptions may turn out to be good things. Some of them may not. But I, I, I just want you to, to, to own mm. <laughs> your liberalism for a minute. And as you do, recognize or, or review, whether it's debates or whether it's arguments you've had on Facebook or whatever it is, and look for this because I, if you don't see that this is here, you are going to think we're talking about weird, stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it's helpful if you can step back and and see it because when once you see it, it's it's the kind of thing you'll see everywhere, right? And you you won't be able to miss it. And when you see it everywhere, you will be to be forewarned is uh, to be. How does that go? Anyway, <laughs> I, I just thought of a proverb I can't remember. But 
once you see it everywhere, you will be much more wary of your own self mm. and your own bad ideas, as well as your you, you'll understand the people talking to you or arguing with mm-hmm. you in a way that you didn't before. Mm-hmm. And and so this is really, I, I hope it's been worthwhile for you. It's been really worthwhile for me to wrestle with it and and to see it everywhere. And yeah. that's what's really hard. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's good for today. We've talked enough liberalism. Oh, can't take <laughs> it anymore. We'll jump to the other isms, the other ideologies in uh, forthcoming episodes. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So when those episodes come out, they are in your queue and you are ready to listen to our ramblings. If you find what you, we are doing helpful, a review would go a long way to getting this to or to other people. Um, getting it to other people, share it with a friend, uh, send them, send them and say, Hey, I figured out that you're a liberal and just see what happens. See if they listen to it. <laughs> if you have questions, send them now, to podcast. That's a good idea. There you go. <laughs> if you have questions, send them to podcast at newlifeandw.com. And we look forward to the next conversation. Send this podcast to your liberal friend. <laughs>